Bracken and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth ball for Aberdeen. Cooper puts it in with good measures. Well, suddenly it's become a rout. Of course, when things are going wrong against you, if you don't get the breaks of the ball, Cooper in with Stewart. He didn't really know where the ball was, but he got the break, and as you say, it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take your time, knowing that really all you've got to do is crack it into the back of the net. Hello and welcome to the latest Here We Go podcast. All of a sudden, we're coming at you as often as Sam Cosgrove goals. Obviously, without the big guy's style and panache. Tonight, we cast an eye on another spot of Scottish Cup ghost-busting. As another former Cup nemesis from that day in 2008, we're put to the sword. To help us look back on, eventually, a straightforward win over Queen of the South, are firstly, but least, Martin Clunes. How are you doing, Richard? Doing well, thank you, Martin. Doing well. Uh, I, I always keep forgetting, despite the fact we've done 141 shows together, how many it is, that it's uh, Clunis to rhyme with Sunis. Uh, that's the best <laughs> piece of advice Grant Fiskin ever gave me. <laughs> uh, I miss Grant. <laughs> it's a welcome return to the show for Cameron Hobbs, a man of many credits who you might have heard in either the NFL Scotland podcast, a recent edition of Off the Ball, or in about 100 other places. Hi, Cameron. Ah, you make me sound like I'm unwelcome. Uh, you sick of my voice already. Thank you for having me again. No, 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 you are definitely adults. not unwelcome. The other lad? Well, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> this is workplace bullying, isn't it? I'm going to be hauled up in front of HR. But then, making our Here We Go debut tonight is Shona Duffy. Shona's a journalist who's based in London, but she found herself back up in the land of the Rowies yesterday. Rowies, not Buttries. Yesterday to be at Pataudry. Shona, how are you? And was Pataudry as cold as you remember it yesterday? Thank you. Um, yeah, it was pretty cold. <laughs> it never surprises me how cold it can actually get in Pataudry. So how long have you had the Don's bug? Oh, I think I was put in a strip before I could even walk by my dad. I don't think I was given an option of what team I was allowed to support up here. So. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of uh, favourite players and so on, I mean, is there anyone from the recent past that uh, sticks in your mind? Oh, I think my favourite player um, was Ian Jess as a kid. Scott Booth as well, although he came back and it wasn't as as uh, good memories as the first time around. But yeah, Ian Jess definitely is up there as one of them. <laughs> yeah, I think he'd be top for quite a generation of Don's fans. Even you know, even those that have seen seen quite a few generations of a team would probably still pick Ian Jess. Uh, very much a top pick. So on to the Queen of the South game then. Um, no point in sugarcoating that first forty-five minutes, Shona. It was pretty dreadful stuff. What do you think? Was it maybe the wrong personnel or, or just the wrong sort of mental approach? Uh, personally, I think it was wrong personnel. I just don't think it quite worked with May down the middle. I, I do really like Stevie May, but and he, he, you can tell that he works really hard. And you know, that's what you want to see in, in a team player. But I just, for me, it just didn't really work um, initially, as you know, we all, we all missed in the first quarter five. <laughs> 
Because I guess the thing about having Stevie May playing through the middle, uh, Cameron, was that you shift Greg Stewart out wide, don't you? Yeah, and you could see that from Stewart. Stewart, when he was getting the ball out wide, was always looking to come inside. Uh, Gary Mackay Stephen was very quiet, and you know we'll we'll probably come on to that later on. But uh, it meant that Greg Stewart out on the wide, when receiving the ball, was trying to work his way in. What it meant was on the right hand side, you're then dependent on Shea Logan to be pushing forward. When you do that, you always leave yourself a little bit exposed, and you could almost see the way that Queens were set up. And let's not completely take it, take it away from them because uh, Nasmith. It's got them playing really neat professional football. They worked really hard, and I thought defensively they were sound. They did a really good job at just keeping us at arm's length, and we didn't have any kind of penetration that was breaking through that wall. And for the first half, Queens looked to be coasting it, to be perfectly honest. Do you think um, any kind of reaction to Wednesday had an impact, uh, Martin? Obviously, Queens had the free week. We had the quite energy-sapping game, you would imagine, on Wednesday night. It, we just, we just, especially the first forty-five minutes. We just looked like we wanted that extra second on the ball, or the guy, the players wanted that extra touch. And not that I thought Queen of the South were an overly physical side. There was some, some physical play going on, but nothing, that, nothing that I thought was over the top. But a side who can, who have a couple of guys who can be physical, will eat that kind of stuff up. They'll see guys just keeping, keeping it hold of the ball. You know, looking a little bit ponderous. Uh, but I just thought that they looked like they really wanted it more in the first half, um, just because. At the way we were playing, and yeah, right. I mean, it sadly does look like. Obviously, we're talking about Stevie May there starting. I mean, it does look like you know Stuart and May isn't going to be isn't going to work. It's going to have to be one or the other. Again, another aspect about that uh, that opening half, Shona, was just a lack of verb and the intent. I thought about the team very very similar. You maybe wouldn't have seen it, but to the Stenhouse Muir game a few weeks ago, the home game, when yeah. it was if they just let that first 45 minutes pass them by. Yeah, it did It did feel like that a little bit. Um, and I was actually texting my friend at the time of the game saying this this feels very much like the Senhouse Muir game for the first 45 minutes. And I was really hoping that it wouldn't go that way because obviously you don't want to add another another replay into our um, fixture schedule. Um, McInnes did switch it up in the first half, like GMS did swap... Um, Sides like off the wing, which you could see because obviously it wasn't working, but that still didn't really give them as much intensity as we needed. Um, I thought so, yeah, but obviously it all changed in the second half. I mean, the frustration was was clearly evident from the crowd at half time, and it it wasn't allowed to fester because we did get off to a really really good start in that second half. And I, and I suppose some credit to the manager in that he, he recognised that uh, the team wasn't really functioning and Ram again came on fairly early, came on at half-time. And I think what stands out from his opening goal, it, he's in the right position, obviously, but it's just the calmness to take that finish camera and the fact that you know he could a lesser player would have just bluted it and probably missed. Yeah, absolutely. And... Um... I think that, you know, going back to the first half, I think that while we didn't penetrate, I didn't think that we were in any danger throughout the game. I thought it was a perfect example of controlling the game, uh, retaining the ball. You know, Queens didn't look particularly dangerous at any point in that first half. There was maybe a couple of half chances, um, but, you know, Lewis had to turn one over the bar. But other than that, they really didn't do anything. Neither did we. And, you know, Max Lowe had pretty much the first shot on goal of any real value uh, just before the half. But out come, you know, he does make the changes at halftime. He, he shuffles things around. He brings on McGinn. And to be fair to Niall McGinn, he's had the absolute perfect start to the game. And he's done exactly what we couldn't do. He's created space. He's got himself an opportunity. And he's finished it clinically. Um, and that just 
totally, well, so we thought, took the pressure off and from there, I thought, hang on, here we go, you know, it's going to be easy straight, we could rattle up a few here. Um, wasn't to be. Well, it was, but there was a little scare before that. Yes, absolutely. But let's focus a little bit more on, on Nam again. I, I want to uh, concentrate on um, the fact that McGinn, as far as assists this season, is head and shoulders above anybody else in the, in the team. He, he's almost got double what uh, the next highest person has got. Uh, but some idiot on our Twitter feed yesterday, Martin, wrote that uh, I wish we could see that more often from Nam again. And uh, and I stand by that. Um, I'm, I'm well, no, we've said a, we've said heaps and heaps of times on here that you know if he could. If he could put in performance like he did yesterday in that second 45, you know, every week, then he wouldn't be at Aberdeen. You know, we'll have to, you know, we're aware of that. We know that. Uh, but that was just, that was the, the nail McGinn we've, you know, we've come to, come to love, really. Uh, it comes on, that kind of performance was just, was just great. You know, um, he said after the game when he was interviewed, you know, the manager asked him to go on, you know, to try and bring a bit of a spark to the game. You know, he did that straight away, didn't he? You know, it comes, up, comes on. Uh, gets his goal wonderfully. No, really. Uh, I just, no, I'm, we've said before, I'm a huge fan of his, um, and I want to see him doing that sort of thing. You know, when obviously you put up the the stats yesterday for the assists and things like that, it really, I mean, it really shouldn't be a surprise to us that he's that he's so that he's so far ahead of everyone else. You know, I mean, we, when he was in the team with Johnny Hayes and Rooney, you know, we relied on him and Johnny Hayes for the assists. They created pretty much everything so it shouldn't really be too much of a surprise the fact that he's no he's but he has been in and out of the team is the surprise there that when he when he is in the team more often than not he will make a contribution so why do you think the manager has gone with with other options Cameron because it's clear that McGinn still has the ability and certainly from set pieces we really really struggle to replace that quality delivery when he's not in the park So I think we've got a problem. The problem that we've got is that we've got now four creative players that are all prone to having an off day. I think that if you look across all of them, you can... I mean, Stevie Mays, unfortunately, had probably more off days than good days. But um, even Greg Stewart, you know, he was quiet when he was out on the side. McGinn, we know, can do it very much so, as can Gary McKay-Steven. But we know that they are prone to having an off day. And when they have an off day... They can sometimes almost be a passenger. I think the best thing that's happened here is that Cosgrove has started to score, which means that for McInnes, he can almost just forget about that, you know, because Cosgrove, get him the ball, get his head onto it. We need someone to get delivery into the box. Well, now he's got four options on there. And the great thing that you've got is it didn't work in the first half and he made the immediate change. He didn't go, let's give it to 60 minutes. He didn't go, let's give it to 70. He saw that it wasn't working and he made the change. He put on McGinn, and McGinn, obviously benched, is going to take that a bit personally, you know, because he's he's kind of been in and out the team. Um, he's going to be thinking to himself, do you know what, I'm going to show him that I should be in the starting eleven, And that's exactly what he did. He came on, and he was the difference in the teams. He had the drive, he had the intent and the direction, and it was a little bit of the now McGinn that we had of about two years ago, when it was him and Johnny Hayes that were just running riot. That was what was most exciting about them, that drive, that direct attacking approach that sometimes I feel with Stevie May. Stevie May, 
I almost think Stevie May suffers a little bit from having options. I think that Stevie May was so good at St Johnston because he was the option. There wasn't really necessarily anyone else that was going to have that creative flair. So it was all eyes on Stevie. He knew it was on his shoulders. But now he's got options. It's almost there's times where he makes decisions and you think, why have you done that? You know, why didn't you just take it yourself, have a shot, turn inside, you know, go for it. Um, and I wonder whether sometimes he falls foul of that a little bit. He came off, McGinn came on, and it, and it was brilliant. And actually, even Gary McKay-Stevens sort of perked up a little bit in that second half. Because McGinn's playing well, he diverts some of that attention onto him. It creates space. It puts Greg Stewart into the middle. I thought he did brilliant in the second half as well. His distribution of the ball was superb. And that just means everybody starts to flow. You can see that there's definitely some exciting makings between these front four but I think May is definitely part of that as well I think that in a game where Stevie May starts on the bench you could chuck him in in that situation and he could have a brilliant second half and actually any one of those four could start on the bench come on and change a game that's something that we've maybe not had an awful lot of um, but we've definitely got an abundance at the moment Well what are Gary McKay Stephen then Shona because uh up until he picked up the injury in the League Cup final, he was probably having his most consistent season, not just at Aberdeen, obviously, because he's only had the two, but probably in his career. Um, you know, week in, week out, he was performing well, maybe not getting the direct assists that you might hope for, um, but having a, having a very strong season. However, post-injury, took him quite a while to come back, which is fine, you have to be absolutely certain in these, these circumstances, but... It kind of seems that the talk of um, moving away to New York is maybe, in addition to coming back from injury, has maybe impacted him somewhat. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. Like, obviously, he had such a consistent season prior to the injury in the League Cup final that he got that attraction from New York. 28, and I think if you're getting a team like New York City coming in for you, that is going to be quite a big pull. Obviously, we didn't sell him, so um, that was obviously the club's decision to keep him here. Um but I thought when I thought when McGinn came on in the second half, you're right. I agree with Cameron. He absolutely did pick up, and you could see that he was getting um, crosses in more, and he was able to like flow more with them with McGinn on the park. Um, I think they seem to have a better partnership between the two of them compared to Stevie May and JMS. But but that's just my my personal opinion. Got to be said, a couple of months is a very long time in football because at the start of December when uh, Mackay Stephen picked up that injury. The thought of him leaving at the end of the season was um, <clears throat> provoking quite a lot of dread amongst the Aberdeen support because he was one of the few creative outlets that we'd had up to that point. But, obviously, you have Conor McLennan who comes in. He does a really, really, really good job during the course of December. It just goes to show that if, if someone is going to struggle... There are players biting at their heels. We would have been terrified at the thought of losing Gary Mackay Stephen um, for that for that run in December. You know, I worry for him that I think that since that injury, it looks like it, I do think it looks like his basically his confidence has taken a bit of a shattering as well. Not that he was one of these players who's going to go flying into fifty fifties or anything like that, but he just seems to be that he's uh, not really kind of wanting to just give that extra little bit. I mean, and as, again, that's obviously just an opinion. I think I'm just concerned for him because when you know what kind of player you've got there, you know we've seen 18 months of him being, you know, being really, really good, you know, excellent for us in some of the games. You know, we've we've loved watching him, um, and at the moment he's an absolute shadow of the player. But it says a lot for the squad. You know, I think that you know we've spoken about the, the squad being a little bit thin, uh, but when you actually look at it, when you've got McLennan and as 
know, Shona and Cameron have said there, you know, the front four we have, and you can you can put in May or you can take out May and have Stewart, or there's a, there is actually quite a lot of depth there. It's defensively we're struggling, but going forward, um, I wouldn't quite say we have an embarrassment of riches, but going forward, there are certainly options there that give us give us an advantage over almost every other team in the league. Oh, um, I actually agree with that, and obviously you've got few youngsters as well that alone. You've got Scott Wright and Bruce Anderson now um, at St. Fermland and Dundee. So when they were there, we had a, quite a plethora of, of attacking options. I agree that our defence maybe needs to be um, strengthened a little bit. But, you know, when you've got players like that, like McLennan, like Wright, like Bruce Anderson, who all want to be playing for Aberdeen Football Club, then yes. I still miss Mackay Stephen if he went, obviously, but I don't know how much of a miss he would necessarily be what, as we have all that players nipping at his heels. Again, there's there's an argument that says, Cameron, that uh, the directness of Conor McLennan was one of the things that really helped kickstart us in December compared to Mackay Stephen, who's a little bit more uh, circumspect, a little bit more prone to the old trick or two more than he needs to actually do. Uh, totally, and I think that that's, you know, going back to the earlier point about that's what we had with McGinn and Hayes. You know, those players were capable of a little bit of trick, but actually where they were brilliant was with the ball at their feet and running at a defender. I think that, you know, Gary McKay, Stephen, I can totally understand, you know. I'll be honest, if someone came to me and said, hey, fancy moving to New York? Absolutely, I would. Um, and who's going to hold that against them? I think that, you know, he's, he's come off the injury and the point about confidence is probably the most important one, though. I think that these types of flair players definitely ride a roller coaster of form. And when they're bad, they are that liability. They stick out more because they're sort of out on the edge and you're looking for them for that creative spark. You're perhaps, and we can be perhaps a little bit more critical of these wide players. But, you know, they do benefit from the fact that there's options there. And I think that I know you talked about it on this pod, but and we there wasn't anybody necessarily came into the club other than Greg Stewart returning. Uh, but actually, I don't think we're in a bad place squad wise. Uh, more so than defence, I'm more worried about centre midfield. I'll be honest. Um, I think that you know if you lose Shinny or Ferguson, we've got a problem. I think that defensively, there's players can go and cover and play well at different positions. But I'm not sure that Gleason or Don Ball is a player that I want to see in that position for any prolonged period of time and I think that actually the the connection between Ferguson and Shinny in the middle is absolutely tremendous Uh, you know they want to start to build with Greg Stewart and that could be a really lethal sort of middle three with uh, Greg being the attacking sort of pin off that triangle the Conor McLennan is a big player with a big future I think and he's going to be important to this club. I think Scott Wright will do really well at Dundee. I think that's a great opportunity for him. Also Anderson at Dunfermline. I think that'll be a great boost for him. I'm really pleased that McLennan stayed. I think that he's got a part to play. And his style is something that I think we will benefit from in games uh, throughout the rest of the season. Uh, and I think he's got a big part to play. And it will only be as players like maybe May or Gary McKay Stephen, if they have prolonged periods of poor form, then you'll probably see McLennan then coming in in place of them. And that will be his opportunity to then go, right, McInnes, I'm going to show you what I'm all about. And that's what you want. Competition for place is perfect. I've seen people bemoan the fact that Shea Logan's not got anyone that's coming in behind him, and maybe sometimes that means he can get away with a couple of bad games. And that's possibly a point. We don't really have any great right-backs other than him. But, you know, I think that 
you really want to have that competition going forward more than you want to do it at defence. Uh, I guess the one thing about defenders is the fact that they're all injured or suspended at the moment is not great. But great to see Devlin coming back in. Um, obviously McKenna's missed that game. He misses St Mirren uh, and then he'll be back. But, um, you know, I, I, personally I'm pretty comfortable with the squad and certainly from an attacking point of view, I think we're good. But again, this all comes back to the fact that it's Cosgrove that's scoring the goals. If Cosgrove wasn't scoring these goals, we would potentially be in a major problem. Well, it's interesting you, t- you touched on the midfield too there because um, well, there are two sides to Adobe goal. Uh, firstly, I think we need to give credit to the player himself and, and Shona will let you do that because it was some strike, wasn't it? I didn't even think it was going in. So <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was absolutely incredible when I saw it hit the back of the net. I mean, Joe Lewis had no chance of getting to it. It was like... Um, perfectly precisioned into the back of the net. Um, I know our midfield kind of did like let him travel with the ball long enough and let him give him too much space, but he still got to hit that with that accuracy and hit it right where he wants it in that um, part of the net, past Joe Lewis. It was just absolutely incredible. I was gobsmacked watching it. It was probably my highlight of this round. Uh, did you applaud? I did applaud, yes. <laughs> yeah. I actually thought it was better than Scott Brown's goal. I hadn't seen Scott Brown's goal. And I compared the two, and I just thought the way that Dolby did that and travelled with it, and yeah, I just thought it was even more incredible than how Scott Brown scored it. Well, that's very sporting of you. I had far too sour a face on me to applaud. If we'd been 3 or 4-0 up, then absolutely, I, I would have stood <laughs> up for it. But 1-1? It, 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 one, one? No, 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 no. Uh, but... There's a journalist in me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're all fair and even-handed. Um... Tremendous, tremendous strike, absolutely. But I thought, Martin, some similarities to, for example, Morales' second on Wednesday. Just, you know, once you're past Shinny, and it was obviously Makai Stephen and Shinny gave the ball away quite cheaply to allow them to, to break through. A little bit of confusion. And, of course, we're not playing with a first-choice centre-half pairing again. So maybe they haven't worked out yet who should go and who should stick in that situation either to go and press the, uh, the oncoming forward. I think that's entirely fair, yeah. I mean, the, the, I'm not justifying that we should have been man-marking Dobby for, by any stretch of the imagination, but we are well aware that he is the, was the danger man in that side. You need to be looking after him a little bit. You need to be, you know, taking care of him. When he gets on the, when he's on the ball in so much space like that, there has to be somebody close to him. For the reasons you gave there, I'm, I'm willing to give, you no, know, to cut the, cut the guys. So I've cut, cut Hoban, cut Considine, and the, the, a little bit of slack. It is a hell of a strike he gets off. You have to, you have to give him credit for that. It's a curious case, Stephen Dobby, isn't it, Cameron? Because um, he just obviously enjoys playing for Queen of the South. He enjoys. The situate the setup he's got there. I believe he lives down in Blackpool, so it's a, a reasonable commute for him. Even up in Scotland, I mean, he was much younger, clearly. But when he played in the top flight here for for Hibs and I think briefly for St Johnston, it, it just never happened for him. No, he's never been prolific anywhere in particular, other than when he's been at Queens. He did not a bad job at Swansea. Uh, I think he got nine goals in 55 appearances or something like that. He did all right when he was out of Blackpool on loan. But he really does love playing for Queen of the South. And he's been an exceptional player for them. It's great to see a player come back and do it again as well for them. And I think that, you know, I can get the point about we stood off. Uh, we could have been closer to him. But at the same time, he's an exceptional player. He really is an exceptional player. At the age of 36, he's still exceptionally mobile. And it was down to him creating some of that space as well. So he's done really well to find a hole there. 
he's utilised it. And I tell you what, near 32 yards out, I don't think anyone was expecting him to take a shot from there just yet. And I think that while the defence was retreating, it would be in their mind thinking, right, we're going to have to stand up here as he keeps coming towards us. But he absolutely belted that. Um, it was it was glorious, to be fair to him. And it rose the whole way. It never dipped. It didn't falter. It was straight as a dart. And it was as fast as anything I think I've seen. And I totally agree with Shona as well. It's way better than Scott Brown's goal. Fair to, fairness to Brown, he doesn't score many. That was a good ping from the outside of the box. But that was a speculative punt, I feel, from Scott Brown. Stephen Dobie did exactly what he was aiming to do. And the technique, that if you watch, when you watch it back in slow motion, the way that he makes contact with his foot on the ball is absolutely perfect. It's absolutely perfect. And that's why he is prolific, because he's got technique, he's got capability. Um, and okay, fine, he's doing it at the lower level, but it's still brilliant, and you can't take that away from him. So that definitely sent a bit of a shiver around Pitotri I think that uh, if that's happened once it could very easily happen again and we could find ourselves out of the cup again or we could be facing a midweek replay down on the plastic pitch at uh, Dumfries however 10-15 minutes later that man Andy Constantine again got his 33rd Dons goal moving ahead of uh, Willie Miller in the all time list uh, which uh, is not a bad achievement for a centre half and that the thing that struck me about that goal uh, Shona was the marking wasn't brilliant, clearly, but just the determination of Andy Considine to make that run and to get to that ball first. Well, yeah, I, I actually thought um, when it went to 1-1 um, that Queen of the South looked more likely to <laughs> score the second one. And I thought, oh dear, to give you another exit at the hands of um, hands of Queen of the South, obviously didn't end up that way. Um, but Considine, I thought, was absolutely brilliant. Uh, I thought the crossing by McGinn was what we needed to you know, get that second goal. It definitely cheered up a few fans around me, that's for sure, when he <laughs> hit that ball into the back of the net. I mean, there's something to be said for um, a centre-half that can that can cause some havoc in the opposition box. And uh, every year, Andy Considine uh, gets a couple of goals to his tally, doesn't he, Martin? It's an it's a overlooked part of his game. It is, and he, he seems to be able to find... No, he's able to find space, whether it is just a, just a case of getting away from from a defender who's maybe given a bit of close attention or he's able to kind of get into the box at, at no kind of at, at pace and finds finds the ball and it's it's a kind of thing you want i mean i know that you know probably in an ideal world he probably wouldn't even be first choice he would be a sub for us um but he then he always seems he seems to kind of chip in with these goals here here and there um and it's and it's it's an underrated thing because you know there are center halves in the league that you know, that don't score that no, that don't contribute when going forward. So for Andy to be able to do that when he isn't isn't someone who we'd be looking at being as you no know, one of the main guys is great. And you, know, you want you want to see that from him. No, he's been here for forever. Um, you know, he's one of these things, local loon, um, and it couldn't it couldn't go better for him. I think the interesting thing from the other centre half yesterday, Cameron, was that. Tommy Hilburn was really comfortable on the ball and really happy to, to really bring that ball forward into the Queen of the South half. Something, to be fair, they would have been crying out for the centre-half to do in some of these home games against the, the bottom six teams or indeed against Dennis Muir in the, in the previous round because carrying the ball forward like that obviously opens up space in front of you. And um, it's it, it just a good footballer we've got there. 
Oh, definitely. And I think that he's perhaps more... Uh, the reason he's so comfortable coming forward is I think he tends to play more at the fullback position um, than he is at centre-half. And I, I think, you know, you could see that when he was obviously moved out wide when uh, Devlin came on. Um, he is comfortable on the ball. I think that that's something that was mentioned a couple of times in commentary. Obviously, I wasn't at the game, so watching it on the telly. But... Um, it was mentioned a few times that that's exactly what Dobie made the most of against Dundee. He put pressure on the defenders who made mistakes at the back and ultimately he punished them for it. I thought Tommy was brilliant. I thought that he didn't look phased at any point. He was in control uh, and confident. And I agree. I think that if you've got players all over the park that are comfortable with the ball at their feet, that's only going to help you. He can come up forward and he can link up with those, you know, with uh, Ferguson and Shinny and just help move that whole defensive line up the field. Um, And I think it's an important part to play. Uh, I actually put money on him scoring a goal because I thought he was exactly the sort of game where he would come and chip in with one. It was Considine, so obviously I backed the wrong horse on that one. Um, but just going back to Considine, that's three of his goals that he scored for Aberdeen have come against Queen of the South. He loves a goal against the Queens. It's four, actually. Was it four? It's four in four games against Queen of the South, yeah. Two in the semi-final. He got the winner in the replay in 2012, and he scored yesterday. So, uh, <laughs> indeed... That's over 10% of his goals that he scored for the club have been against Queen of the South. They must hate him. And then after that, it really was the uh, Sam Cosgrove uh, show yet again. And what I liked most about that, uh, his first goal, Shona, was, again, it was a striker's goal. It, he, it was a good ball into Nam again, but Sam was making sure he got on the end of that and totally dominating uh, the fullback he was up against. Yeah, I, I'm going to take slight credit for um, Sam Cosgrove's goal scoring tally um, <laughs> because I was not very pleasant about him in the League Cup final. And then after that, he seemed to have scored in every game since. So, um, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm taking full credit for that alone. I looked at the other day, he's either two or three goals behind Morelos now in the um, in the league. So it's going to be quite interesting. See who gets the most goals at the end of the season. I had a little dig, Martin, at uh, scoring streaks. Now, that's Sam with 14 goals in 13 games over the past couple of months, and less than two calendar months, actually. If you look at Billy Dodds, he got 15 and 12 during a run in uh, August, October 96. Duncan Shearer, 13 and 10 in 1992. Then you have to go back to Drew Jarvie and Joe Harper for, for sort of better runs and than what Sam Cosgrove is on right now. It, we say it, we said it each week for the past six, but it's remarkable. And it, just the fact that he didn't just do it in December is reason to celebrate in itself. It is. I mean, you know, it's... Well, every every striker is capable of scoring in a, a couple of games, maybe three, four games in a row. Um, you know, but to to do it you know, consistently and okay, you no, know, it's you no, know, it's thirty to 14, 14 games. So it's not, it's not like he's done it over forty or fifty games. You know, but he's put that run together. You you have to believe that McInnes has told him, look, you're my guy, you're going to be the guy I'm going to go with. I, you know, and he has the confidence of the manager. That's obviously given him the belief in himself because he because when you when he was first starting you know, at the start of the season, he's carrying himself differently now. You know, I think that, you know, and he's obviously he's playing up front properly, whereas before he was maybe like at, at Perth, we saw him kind of more out wide. Um, but he's clearly been told, "You're the guy. You're my guy. If, I'm going to put all my all my trust in you." And having someone like you know McGinn, that that, that ball for his for the for the goal yesterday was just was just so good. 
from beginning and for Considine's one as well to be to be honest though. Um having someone like that able to set up set up goals for you is is gonna be you no know, great for great for Sam and if he can, can keep that going, you know, and I know that we've we've spoken about, you know, is there a chance of the title? Isn't there a chance of the title? No. Well, I don't want to really get. I don't want to get back into that again. But if we're going to go any, if we're even going to run Celtic close for the title, then Sam Cosgrove continuing that kind of run of form um, is vital to that. Yeah, I think the manager joked today that he'd uh, he'd spoken with Sam and said if he'd started this in August, we'd be top of the table now. Um, <laughs> I, I think that's quite probable. Uh, and it's fair to say, Sean, I, I suspect you probably weren't the only one that had some fairly bad words to say about Sam Cosgrove uh, ahead of and during the League Cup final. But uh, but no, two more for Sam yesterday. The second, though, Cameron, what a ridiculous penalty kick decision that was. Yes, never a penalty, um, and you know it's. We've been on the wrong side of that, and we would have been up in arms. Uh, I think you know, if you're looking for any plus in that, it's the fact that we're already three one at the time. It's probably just the final nail in the coffin, but it really wasn't a penalty. I, I think on first watch, you can you see the crowd react. You see Logan put his hand up. The ball has definitely pinged off the guy's arm, but it's obviously hit his chest first and kind of just deflected his arm. That's an interesting one, and that's where the VAR conversation comes into play, because that's the sort of one that you would hope that they would look back on VAR and go, do you know what, nah, that's that's not a penalty, because it, it wasn't, uh, and it shouldn't have been. Brilliantly finished, though, by Sam. Well done on that one. So that was uh, Sunday, that was the Scottish Cup. We are right now, as we record this, about 20 minutes away from the draw for the quarterfinals. There's no point in me asking you who you want because the answer should always be the lowest ranked side at home, which I suspect is Dundee United. I've not looked at the teams, but I suspect Dundee United are the lowest of the teams <laughs> left because they're Dundee United. <clears throat> Stop bringing reality into it, Cameron. Anyway, I'm having a dig at Dundee <laughs> no, United. Part- Let me do that, please. <laughs> Partick Thistle are still in there, so we take Partick at home any day of the week. Moving on. Um, Last week, as I'm sure many of you will know, was the Super Bowl in the NFL. Uh, Cameron is on the NFL Scotland podcast, and Shona has a big vested interest, her team being the Seattle Seahawks. Is that not right, Shona? It is, yeah. Yeah, for my sins. Martin, uh, you're also into the uh, into the football, aren't you? I am, yes. You got a team? Um, I do. Um, I My team is the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> Yeah, the laugh says it all because they are absolutely hopeless. It wasn't the Patriots. <laughs> Here is my question for the three of you, uh, and we'll kick off with uh, Martin for this. Who are the Dons of the NFL and why? Well, the Dons of the NFL actually are the Oakland Raiders. Uh, beca- because um, in 1983, the Oakland Raiders were world champions. Aberdeen did something in 1983. I uh, can't remember what. Um, but more importantly, um, the Oakland Raiders in a couple of years are going to be moving away from a crumbling home to an unpopular stadium many miles away from the city. <laughs> OK, are these all going to be good in the 80s gags? Uh, Shona? <laughs> a, a little bit, but mine's a little bit more positive towards the end. So I've gone with the Chicago Bears. Again, they won the Super Bowl in 1985. Um, but they have recently, um, obviously started to build themselves back up. They got into the playoffs again for the first time in, um, eight years. 
So, you know, it's a team that's consistently building and they're continuing to improve, which is a bit like Aberdeen because we're consistently finishing second above Rangers, which is what you see. And, um, yeah, that's who I picked. Cameron, then. let's uh, bend this off. <laughs> so, clearly, everyone here is wrong. Right, the NFL 49... Sorry, the NFL Aberdeen team, I've given it away there, is the San Francisco 49ers. Very similar reasons to exactly what's been said before. Um, but rather than just focus in on one thing that we did in the 80s, we won multiple things in the 80s. We were dominant. We were the team. And there was only one team that was the team in the 1980s when it comes to the NFL, and that was the San Francisco 49ers. Playing the glorious red with the white numbers as well it's absolutely on brand they play or they used to play right near the water but like the Dons uh, they've they've actually moved to their new stadium which is nowhere near San Francisco it's in Santa Clara so the Oakland Raiders who play in Oakland actually play closer to San Francisco than the San Francisco 49ers do so there is a massive amount of ties there but I get the point about the gag, so I've got one of them to chuck in there as well. If you're looking for something nothing to do with the 80s, then you could argue possibly that the Houston Texans uh, would be the Aberdeen team, just because they are the team that took over from that area, and it used to be the Houston Oilers. Of course, Texas big for its oil, but also Texas big for its beef. And let's say, you know, Aberdeen, it's all about beef and oil. So, and the only thing is they call it buttries in uh, Houston, so I think that we can discount it on that one. So... That was uh, the three picks for which NFL team are the Dons and why. You can maybe let us know on Twitter who you reckon is uh, the most appropriate. Or, or indeed some of the other Scottish teams who they might be as well. Who are the Patriots going to be, folks? The Patriots have to be Celtic. Right, OK. Uh, I was just like double-checking. That well, has to be. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. You could you could say Rangers too, depending on what, where your allegiance lies with the Patriots. Disliked, clearly. Um, so, St. <laughs> Mervyn on Saturday, two comfortable home wins already against them this season, and they were be- beaten at home by a mid-table championship side at the weekend. Hello, two <laughs> hits at Dundee United in five minutes. <laughs> So, Michael Devlin obviously got uh, around about a quarter of an hour on Saturday, and uh, we think he might make it back into the starting 11. And this is probably going to be a good thing, because three clean sheets in the last 14 games, Shona, that is not form that's going to get you anywhere. Uh, Yeah, I agree. And I've been saying for quite a while now, we've really missed Devlin in that um, defence. You know, um, I actually think he could be a future captain of Aberdeen if uh, Shona decides to leave us. So... I'm very very glad to see him back, and yeah, I think he's definitely a shoe-in for the starting eleven. Even in his time in the park yesterday, show that you could see, couldn't you? You could see him shouting at the rest of the team, barking instructions, very very leadership-like. He's just so commanding, and he's quite calm with it as well. Like <laughs> I went to the um, quarter-final against Hibs at Easter Road, and you could just tell like he was just so assured in defence and his role, what he was doing there. So it's nice to have that for the team, I think, and it's just, you know, great to have him back. We have obviously missed him. Of course, he and Scott McKenna simply aren't allowed to play in the same team uh, these days. That's just, you know, five games they've finished, I think, all season, which is ridiculous. Um, it's a kind of what if regarding having our first choice and a half uh, pairing available all season. Uh, you feel, Cameron? Yeah, it's important. Do you know what? This is obviously a relationship that we'd like to think they're going to build on. And Now, obviously, there's a lot of chat about McKenna going and will he still be here in the summer. 
uh, we might not get through another summer with them still. But I think that it's important to start to to build the relationship between the two of them. I think that Devlin looks to be very accomplished when he came into the the team. Obviously, he'd been out a long time with injury, and I think there was some concerns. You know, even in pre-season, he perhaps was lacking that sharpness. But that's to be understood. Um, obviously, another slight setback, but. Um, you know, he's back now and that's the most important thing. What we really want to get now is a prolonged period where he is in the team. Um, I think that it's important. I, I agree it would be good to get him in the starting eleven, but only if he's ready. You know, if McInnes is like, well, I'm maybe not sure he's totally 100% match fit, then I would rather see him start on the bench again and get his opportunity as the game comes on. I think that the worst thing that we could do is put him in too soon if he isn't there. And I think that's something we will not know. That's only something that the management team will know, the physios and all the experts. But, um, you know, I think coming back to the point about challenging Celtic if we're going to pick up as many points as we can between now and the end of the season I think a fit Devlin and an unsuspended and fit McKenna is going to be a big part in that Martin, whilst we're all keen to see um, Devlin make his return frankly, the way that St Mowen played the last couple of Pataudry visits you and I could play centre-half probably quite comfortably on Saturday, couldn't we? We could, which is why it might be the right time, if you know, if Devlin does play, um, that we could possibly try someone else at right back. I don't know, maybe, maybe just Tommy Hoban could could have a have a bit of a dig out there. Um, Logan, you know, not really troubled on on Sunday to be fair. Um, you know, we've already spoken about you no know, on Wednesday. Um, it wasn't great. Um, so there's a ch- there's an opportunity there against a side that you know are are fairly soft up go, going forward. Um, I, don't, I say that, of course, they're probably going to rack, knock in two goals now. Um, but um, aside that really are fairly soft going forward, um, don't offer a hell of a lot. Um, I think there's a chance there that you know, you know, if Devlin is going to be able to come back in, you probably have Devlin. You try and have Devlin and Constantine there, and maybe Tommy Hoban can slot in it right back. Yeah, we should say that uh, Shea Logan had to go for a scan today on. His ankle injury, so um, there's a possibility that he could well be out injured anyway come Saturday. It's, uh, it's a weekend where some of the other sides around us have got awkward-looking fixtures, Shona. It should be an opportunity to gain some ground, yeah? I agree. You know, you've got you've got Kelly versus Celtic, um, which I think will be a tough one. Unfortunately, St. Johnson are going through this awkward one at the moment where they seem to are just are losing every game. <laughs> They don't like playing Celtic, I feel, that's for sure. But hopefully they can um, be a little bit tough for uh, Rangers to break down. And then obviously you've got home hearts at Motherwell too. So yeah, it should be quite an interesting weekend, fixture-wise. And it is a weekend where you need to capitalise, no slip-ups. And we're usually very, very good in these situations, Cameron. I, I, I wouldn't like to go and check the numbers, but the also-rans <laughs> usually get dealt with, don't they? I can't believe you're going out and saying something stupid like that. You're just asking for it. Jeez. Um, <laughs> do you know what? I, re- um, I can still remember the Aberdeen that was absolutely prone to blowing this type of game. But do you know what? We do seem to be more controlled, more accomplished. That victory over Queens will give us a confidence boost. While for St Mirren, the only thing that you've maybe got to watch there is the fact that they've been stung by uh, a sort of subpar team from a lower division, as she said, um, puts them in the position where they might try and have a point to prove. And sometimes that can be a dangerous animal to come up against. All it would take is an early goal from them or something, a wee mistake at the back, and that just gives them the opportunity to shut up shop. Uh, you'd like to think, though, again, coming back to what we're talking about at the top of the show and the fact that we've got all these attacking options, we should have enough 
to see past them. They're obviously rooted at the bottom there and really been struggling. Haven't won in the league this year um, at all. You know, you look at some of the results that they've had as well. And uh, with the exception of a 2-2 draw with um, Hibs at one point, they've, they've, they've been disappointing since then. Um, actually, they beat Motherwell just before Christmas. But other than that, it's been dropped points. You can give the Aloha game fine, but that's a definitely much lower team that they managed to beat at home. You'd be expecting them to do that. But even then, they struggled with it. You saw against Hibs, they took the lead against the Hibs team that had just lost their manager. Um, you would think, oh, maybe this is their chance, and they didn't take that one either. So I'll be definitely very disappointed if St Mirren managed to come up and come away with the points on this one. Well, thank you, Cameron, for finally getting the mood of the show and having a cheap, senseless dig at Dundee United. It's what we do. <laughs> anyway, um, who knows, in 15 minutes' time, we might end up paired with them in the Scottish Cup quarterfinal. With Dons are there, hopefully they'll be picking up three points this weekend against St. Mirren. So, my thanks this week to Shona Duffy. Shona, thank you. Oh, thank you for having me on. It's been brilliant. To Cameron Hobbs, you're welcome back anytime, Cameron. If, frankly, if you think that was a that was a bad, nasty introduction, just you wait till next time. <laughs> I look forward to it. And finally, Martin Clunas rounds with Sunas. <laughs> Hi, Richard. We'll be back next week, where Martin will hopefully come up with a better retort. And we'll speak to you then. Come on, you Reds.